Welcome into another edition of Lockdown Royals on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. Should the Royals look into trading Brady Singer in the offseason? Can they count on Drew Waters to be an everyday player? And has Jackson Coar finally fixed himself? That's all coming up next on Lockdown Royals. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are tuned into Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I am your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. And you can always find our podcast on all those podcasting platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music. And you can always find us on YouTube. The easiest way to reach me is through Twitter. So if you have any questions about the team, about the direction of the team, or about a specific thing during the game, you can always reach me there. I try my best to respond on YouTube, but sometimes I just can't find the, the question or the comment in time. And I know for a lot of you, you would like to answer that question in a timely manner. Uh, but before we get into some Brady Singer talk to open up today's episode, want to give a shout out to today's title sponsor in game time. We got more on them coming up here in about 10 to 12 minutes. But if you are looking to buy any tickets for the upcoming homestand, you're looking to go to a comedy show, you're looking to go to a concert, Game Time is the app to use. And I've got a fun promo code for you to use to help you along the way and why you should be using Game Time moving forward. But as I just teased, let's talk a little bit about Brady Singer because I've seen this idea been floated about the last, oh, three to four weeks. And I think you could probably say it stemmed from when Brady Singer really went on the tear in the second half. Because if you go back to the first part of the season, with the exclusion of maybe his first two starts of the year, a lot of Royals fans were already jumping ship on Brady Singer. You know, he, he's a guy that's never going to be destined for the rotation. He's a guy that only uses two pitches, therefore he's going to be a back-end bullpen guy. The Royals, though, don't have starting pitching depth, and because of that reason, he'll never be in the bullpen. At least he'll never return to the bullpen. There's not enough guys that could replace it. But what I really wanted to talk about today is the aspect of trading him this offseason and why it may be the most advantageous thing for the Royals going into the offseason. I mean, there's going to be guys that are offered up. There's going to be teams calling about Salvador Perez, about Carlos Hernandez, and Brady Singer may be the hottest name of the bunch. Here are all the factors in a potential trade and why I think it's either good or why I think it's bad. The reasons it could be good is that you have a bottom five farm system in baseball. I think everybody understands that if you trade away one of your top starters, you're going to get something in return. I mean, you got Cole Reagans for 30 innings of a role as Chapman. I mean, there's other Cole Reagans out there. Now, you can find a lot of talent in other teams' farm systems or guys that were in roster crunches. And Brady Singer, I think this is a much different story if he's 24 or 25. If he's Cole Reagans' age, we're probably talking about a different thing here. He's 24, 25. I'm not sure I'm ready to move off on him, but he just turned 27. And I think when you look at the Royals in their competitive window, is it likely they are truly contending in the next two to three years? You know, his age 28, 29, and 30 season? I don't think so. At least not seriously contending. I'm not saying they couldn't compete all season long and maybe get an outside chance at a wild card spot. But again, that's 
a bit of a, a long shot. That seems a bit far-fetched at this point. And the Royals need to be adding as much talent as they can and moving on from the majority of guys that aren't going to be a part of that competitive window. So the good thing is you would add talent. You would add a lot of talent, and you're moving on from a guy that, let's be honest, has been wildly inconsistent this year and multiple years of his big league career. Last year, you could argue that was the best he'd ever been. I don't think you really need to argue that. That was the best he's ever been. He looked like a frontline guy. The thing is, though, he responded. He bounced back with a below average year. I mean, right now, Brady Singer's ERA is above five. But the fear would be that he goes to somewhere that can immediately fix him and turn into a true number one, number two, and he's an all-star, and you just always regret that you could never turn Brady Singer into that. Or maybe he goes somewhere else and he immediately starts throwing the third pitch a hell of a lot more than he does right now. That's the big fear. But I don't think you should be tiptoeing around that or be fearful of guys exceeding once you trade them. Because if you get talent in return, it shouldn't matter. Because a great Brady Singer on a bad baseball team, we saw it doesn't move the needle that much. I mean, Brady Singer last year was an all-star level pitcher, maybe a fringe all-star. The Royals lost 95 games. So a great Brady Singer may not do much for the future of the Royals, but using the value that a good Brady Singer has could get you stuff in return where maybe you could get a handful of guys, major league ready, maybe not. And then down the road, you're looking very positively at that Brady Singer trade. The thing is, though, where is the starting pitching depth? Uh, the Royals, I think, want to try and be competitive next year. I don't think they want to roll their bellies up and, and look the way they have this year where you're throwing out Jordan Lyles every fifth day and Zach Granke usually every fifth day and you're using bullpen games and both pitchers and openers. And I think they want to get a stable rotation. So if you trade Brady Singer, who's the next man up? Who's the next guy? Who's the guy you're replacing him with? If it's Cole Reagans, listen, I'm all aboard the Cole Reagans train. I love what I've seen from Cole Reagans, but he's also a guy with two Tommy Johns. He's also a guy with not much big league success. You can't roll in the 2024 and say he's our number one. He's our opening day starter. He's the guy we're rolling with. You don't want to put that type of pressure on a guy that's simply never had it. But the Royals are really at this crossroads right now. And I think there's good to both here. You hang on to Brady Singer while you can build with that rotation. He's still under club control. You know, if you wanted to extend him on a two to three year deal, maybe it makes sense. But I'm just not so sure that Brady Singer is a part of the next contending Royals team. But I'm also not under the belief that it's fire sale trade every single player. I think you should try to trade a lot of guys that have value. If you could package a, a Brady Singer and Carlos Hernandez, you can get a pretty big return. It helps this club. It really does. But if you're trying to build a rotation, you're trying to start from the ground up, it's tough to trade a guy that you can count on, at least right now. There's two guys in the rotation you can count on every fifth day. And I'm going to rule out Brady Singer start at Wrigley Field. It's a tough ballpark to pitch in. And he's been really, really good in the second half. So I'm not really going to fault him for one bad start. Cole Reagan's going to have the best start against St. Louis, but he still is a guy I can count on right now every fifth day. So when you finally find two guys that you can count on, why are you going to move one of them? You know, if the goal is to compete and show you're contending and win back the fan base, trading Brady Singer may not be the best move. But if it's the long play here, if there really is a big-time offer, 
then it's something you can consider. I know there was reports out there that the Cincinnati Reds, who have a dismal pitching staff, maybe not dismal, but not where it should be. I mean, if they had a, a middle-of-the-league rotation, you're talking about a team that could easily win the National League Central. But they were inquiring about Brady Singer, and they made Jonathan India available. You know, is that something you would be worth considering? You know, he's a guy that's not great defense. He's been a blow average hitter, but he's won rookie of the year before. Do you feel good with Michael Massey there? Would you move Brady Singer for a guy like Jonathan India? Then your infield has a former rookie of the year, a guy who's going to finish top five in F war this year. Michael Garcia will probably get some votes for American League Rookie of the Year. And Vinny Pasquantino, who's a well above league, league average hitter since joining the league. It's a pretty good infield to me. You know, that's something you can consider. You know, what the offer is, what the offer on the table is. But to me, oh boy, I mean, that is going to be the big question for J.J. Bacola this offseason. Is it truly best for this club? Because there is a, a pretty good chance if Brady Singer goes to a contender, they could fix him immediately and he's turned into an all-star. We've seen it before. It's probably not going to be the last time we see a Royals player go and succeed elsewhere. But is it the best thing for the club right now? Is it the best thing to move him? If you get a couple of minor league prospects and maybe two major league ready guys and a package deal, Hernandez involved, maybe uh, Salvador Perez and money involved, I think you do pull the trigger. But if you're not getting much in return, if it's not a very powerful you know, acquisition, then I think you do need to hang on to him. Maybe not to build him for the future, but at least try to get more out of him going into next year's deadline of 2024 than trying and moving him. Okay, that's the Brady Singer talk that we have today. But the next guy I want to talk about is one who's struggling and has really been up and down this year. But the big question is, can he play center field or right field every single day in the big leagues? And that's another question the Royals front office is going to ask themselves this offseason. And it's a question I'm going to ask coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuning to Locked On Royals on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five now before we go any further talk about drew waters and his future in kansas city let's give a shout out to today's title sponsor in game time i know you've heard me bring it up before and i'm going to do it again because if you are somebody out there that constantly stresses about finding tickets to the next game to the next concert to the next comedy show whatever that would require tickets just settle all of that stress and get game time it's so easy to use. I use it every single time, whether I'm buying tickets to a Royals game. I was just recently at a concert, and you guessed it, I use game time to buy those tickets. You can be going by yourself, going to a group of people, going with your family, going with small kids. It doesn't matter. Buy all your tickets through game time. So here's what you need to do. After the podcast episode today, go and download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off on your first purchase. The terms apply, and again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. I really feel like, at this point in the season, we pretty much know what every single one of these young players brings to the Kansas City Royals in 2023 and moving forward in the 2024 and 2025 and beyond that. We kind of know what the potential is what the ceiling is for a lot of these guys. Uh, you look at Bobby Wood Jr., he's somebody that you could consider to be an all-star, a multiple-time all-star, a superstar, one of the five best players in this sport. 
Like that's the ceiling for Bobby Wood Jr., an MVP caliber type of player. I think for Michael Garcia, what you can see in him right now is that he's a great defensive third baseman. He's a stereotypical leadoff hitter. He's quick, and he puts the ball in play a lot. Now, the walk rate, it's dipped a little bit, but overall, this is exactly who you'd be looking for in a third baseman. Maybe a little bit more power, but again, he adds muscle, he adds some weight. That probably will happen for him. That's the ceiling. That's the potential for a guy like him. I'd imagine every other year, depending if he really exceeds expectations or not, he could run into an all-star game or one or two. That kind of is my expectation for a guy like him. Michael Massey, I think he's just going to be a replacement-level guy at second base. A good one. You know, he's in an elite category for outs above average. He's got a little bit of pop in that bat. He's been really good in the second half. He's somebody that I wouldn't mind seeing there the next two years. Vinny Pasquantino, I really love him at the hot corner. I like him at first base. I like the power he provides. If he's fully healthy next year, you know exactly what you can expect out of a guy like him. MJ Melendez, he's kind of tough to predict because you saw how much he struggled in the first half, but you also see how hot he's been in the second half. I mean, he's been one of the Royals' best hitters in the second half, and it's not necessarily a super small sample size. It's roughly 30 to 40 games. You know, I, I know it's in the grand scheme of things, more of a, what would it be, two tenths of a mile in a marathon? Like that's kind of what a 30 to 40 game sample size would be for an 162 game season. The defense isn't very good, but you feel like maybe if you can not put the spotlight on him out there in the outfield, if you can maybe DH him more and the power is tapped back into, he's somebody you can count on. One guy I just can't figure out. And what he could truly become is Drew Waters. Drew Waters is somebody to me that, one, I think I expected a little bit more defensively. I'm not so sure I'm sold on him defensively yet to get every day at bats. Now, Kyle Isbell, to me, is somebody that you can count on to be a great defensive center fielder. He had that mishap at Wrigley Field. Uh, That is going to happen from time to time, even with the best outfielders out there, guys that are great and outs above average. Uh, you, you look at you know what they provide you in terms of how many positions they can play, even the best ones out there. They can have misplays. They can have mishaps. They can have screw-ups. Every single big leaguer has them. Drew Waters, to me, though, is such an interesting case because he is a better bat than Kyle Isbell, in my opinion. I think the ceiling, I think the potential is better than Kyle Isbell. That's where I'm at with Drew Waters. The problem is, I don't know if that's a future big leaguer. I've already expressed before, I don't think that Kyle Isbell is an everyday player at the big league level. I think he's a fine fourth outfielder. He's good for a defensive replacement. But in the end, I'm not so sure you move forward saying he's the guy I'm giving 500 to 600 at-bats to. Drew Waters kind of is in that category to me now. The strikeout numbers are, are way too alarming for me not to say anything about it. I think you can like the potential. You saw the the hot stretch he had in June and into July. We've seen how far he can hit a baseball. We can see how hard he can hit a baseball. He's a switch hitter. I think the oblique injury set him back a little bit, which is why I'm holding out for it. But my big question is, is he a guy that you just plug into right field or plug into center field or plug into left field and go, that's your spot for the next two years? I'm just not sold right now. I'm not 100% sold. And maybe it's because he's one of the few Royals hitters that is struggling. And when you're struggling to that level, you kind of question, you know, what can he be 
in a full 162-game season. And the strikeout numbers go down, maybe this is a different story. But they're too alarming. Over 30%, that's too high for an everyday right fielder who doesn't have 20 to 30 home run pop. It can be a little bit concerning, and I think the Royals need to go into this offseason really evaluating their outfield and their outfield depth with a lot of, I, I guess, cutthroat mentality. That's the best way to describe it. You, you can't look at somebody like Edward Olivares in the outfield and say, yeah, he, he's a guy we're going to give another shot at. You, you can't look at Kyle Isbell and say, yep, he's already got it next year. I'd like to see more aggression. I'd like to see more, I guess, initiative in trying to form this outfield. Because right now this outfield is not good enough for any major league team. You can like the defense that Kyle Isbell brings. You can like the bat of MJ Melendez in the second half. But overall as a whole, does it make sense for a contending team to keep Drew Waters there? Now, he's still young. You don't need to you know, cut bait on a 24, 25-year-old. But I think they need to either start putting him in spots where he's not as showcased. If you want to platoon him, I know he's a switch hitter. If you want to play him every, every day, I guess you can find that out now. But even the Royals aren't playing him every day. They're kind of mixing and matching him a little bit. And if he can't get every day at bats on a bad team, is he going to be the fix in 2024? Do you just go into spring training and say, listen, he had an oblique problem. Therefore, let's wait till he has a full, healthy spring training. Then we'll go from there. That feels like the most likely scenario, just because the Royals, I don't think, are going to seriously contend next year, uh, barring some massive offseason where they're signing guys left and right and trading for big-name guys. And we don't really foresee that happening. Drew Waters, to me, though, is kind of in that limbo right now. You know, what can he really be for the future of the Royals? I think right now he's a guy that could be a good bench bat, the more competitive you get. But there needs to be a lot more that I see from Drew Waters before I'm sold on it. I really like him as an overall player. I like the ceiling for him. But sometimes a ceiling is just a ceiling. It doesn't mean a player is going to reach that ceiling. And that's kind of where I'm at right now. He's one of the few guys in this lineup that is struggling, and he hasn't put together consistency, I would say, legitimate consistency to be an everyday right fielder. For a bad team, absolutely. But if the Royals want to continue to trend in the right direction, you kind of got to pick and choose. Where does Nelly Velasquez fit? Now, where does MJ Melendez fit? Where does Drew Waters? Where does Kyle Isbell fit? Where does Nick Lofton fit? Tyler Gentry. How aggressive are you going to be in the offseason signing guys? That was a Jock Peterson, a Kevin Kiermeyer, a Hunter Renfro, a Tommy Pham. Those are some of the bigger names in free agency, but do any of those guys factor in? A lot that the Royals need to unpack heading into this offseason. We'll see where Drew Waters fits in probably over the next six to eight months. What the Royals have in store for him and what they have in store for this outfield. The last thing I want to dive into with the Royals is a reliever that I've completely given up on. But has he found himself and has he tweaked enough where this is going to be sustainable at the big league level? That's coming up next on Locked On Royals. You are tuning to Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at JohnnyJ underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. I think there's one guy, one guy in the Royals' entire pitching department. This goes from rookie ball out there in surprise Arizona to the big leagues in Kansas City there's one guy to me that you look at and you just say I don't get it I, I really don't get how this all happened 
And I think you know where I'm going with this. Maybe you don't. Maybe you do. But it's Jackson Coar. If you needed me to say it out loud, now you have it. Jackson Coar, to me, is the most mysterious case the Royals have had in the last five to six years. He virtually makes no sense. I mean, here's a guy that you draft out of Florida. He was a college teammate with Brady Singer. And I think by all accounts, looked to be the guy that would have the quickest route to the big leagues. The stuff was lights out. He was sitting 97 to 99, had a wipeout changeup. You know, he's going through the, the minors, dominating. You go back to 2021, I think it was. I mean, he's just tearing it up in Omaha. He's tearing it up in AA Northwest Arkansas. And you think, here's our guy. I mean, we're, we're building the rotation. There's Brady Singer. There's Bubich. There's Lynch. And here comes Jackson Coar. You know, he's a guy that you should just love to, to see every fifth day. He's that type of arm. And then he comes up to the bigs, and I'll never forget that first start in Anaheim. I mean, he's chewing his gum with, with such ferocity. and It sounds very poetic, but I remember Rex Hudler actually saying it, and it shows nerves. And so you, you see that, that start go very poorly in Anaheim. I don't believe he made it out of the first inning. If he did, he did not make it out of the second. And then Oakland, the, later on that week or the week after that for a second start, not good. He had one decent start in the big leagues. It was against Cleveland at home. But outside of that, he's never put it together. And the stuff is so electric, you start to wonder, is he tipping pitches on accident? You know, that has to be a factor because the stuff is too good to have numbers like this. But Jackson Coar comes back up. You know, they send James MacArthur down, and, and here's Jackson Coar once again. And honestly, when he came back up, I said, well, it's going to be same old, same old. He, they need arms in the bullpen. They, they just need depth at this point. He's been in the big leagues. Might as well give him another chance. But I have been intrigued by what I've seen. And I think it's one of those things with Jackson Coar where eventually he's either just going to find it or he never will. It's not something where you have to, to give him this pitching guru. He needs the right system, the right, he needs a change of scenery. I don't think it's any of it. It's either he's going to figure it out on his own or he isn't. I don't think it's physical at all. I think it was 90 to 99% mental which that's a big part of the game. It's not to knock anybody with that. If if you are a unproblematic, never have anything mental with baseball, you are in the 1%. Because I feel like every single baseball player from peewee to the bigs, you've got things you struggle with. You have confidence issues from time to time, and he has reasons to doubt himself at the big league level. But he has appeared in that series against Seattle. He appeared at Wrigley Field, and he's only allowed one hit and one walk since coming back up. Now only two and a third. But he had three strikeouts in that series against Seattle. I thought looked really good in that outing. He saved the bullpen a little bit. And the Royals trusted him in a spot where I don't think with his numbers he should be utilized in. But that's how I think you need to try and use him moving forward. You just have to throw the guy in the fire. That sounds very uh, violent. That sounds very, you know, last resort. But that's where we're at. But the arm angle had been tweaked a little bit. I believe it was my good friend, Preston Farr, on Twitter. You can follow him at Royals Miners, or it was Royals Farm Report. Either guys, they do great work finding little things like this. I want to give both those guys credit because they're fantastic at finding things like this. But basically, Jackson Cora has changed his arm slot a little bit, just a little bit. And sometimes that can go a long way. Sometimes it can't. We've seen the, the Tampa Bay Rays tinker with guys' arm slots. I'm not sold yet that Jackson Coar is fixed because of an arm slot, but I think he has fixed something. 
I think the stuff looked a lot better. I think the command looked a lot better. The poise looked a lot better in that series against Seattle and then in front of a sold-out crowd at Wrigley Field. Unfortunately, he's not going to be in that spot because he pitched at Wrigley Field to open tonight against Oakland. They're going to use Tucker Davidson instead, but I would argue that I would have used Jackson Coar as the opener because I want to see him a lot more moving forward just to see if there's anything you can work with. Because I think that the biggest tragedy here is a guy with that type of stuff could just never put it together. It happens in baseball. It really can. It just is an unfortunate reality of the game. But, man, it is always a stinger when you see a guy with upper 90s stuff, a wipeout changeup, a good slider, a good curve, and it just never be put together. Now, that's the thing, though, in baseball. You can't predict everything. But I'm hoping somewhere in there is a great back-end bullpen guy. We've seen this happen before. Now, guys eventually just have a light turn on. A switch is flipped. And they figure it out. And that's why I think for the end of this year, if we can get an above-average Jackson Kowar, that's something to consider going into the bullpen of 2024. I think a great story is like John McMillan. You promote him from double A, you know, he's looked really good in the two outings that he's been there. Wipe out fastball, wipe out slider. I tweeted this out. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny J underscore 15 with a minimum of one inning pitched. I know it's a very small sample size. John McMillan has the 18th best fastball in baseball. That's how good that thing is. And that's just about piecing together your bullpen. You start with stuff, then you go from there. You find guys with great stuff, you can work with it. Did anybody think Carlos Hernandez could turn in the season like this after last year? No. I don't think anybody did. You knew the stuff was there, but you got to tap back into it. John McMillan's got the stuff. Jackson Coar's got the stuff, but can you really work with it? I can work with high-velocity guys. If you can't put it together with low 90 stuff, there's not much for you. But, man, I'm really hoping that this minor tweak, this minor fix can really help Jackson Coar in the long run, because he's somebody, as much as I've been out on him, man, I'm still hoping for a turnaround. I want to be proven wrong more than anything when it comes to Jackson Coar. All right, that's going to do it for another edition of Locked On Royals and the Locked On Podcast Network. I've been your host, Jack Johnson. You can always follow me on Twitter at J underscore 15. That's at J-O-H-N-Y-J underscore one five. And always check us out on those podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, and you can find us on YouTube. We'll have this episode up in no time. So that is everything that we have discussed today. If you have any ideas you want me to talk about, me to touch on moving forward this week, you can always reach me on Twitter or you can reach me on YouTube. But until then, you take it easy, Kansas City.